we find Bruno with the, the other three agents? The same three agents that he came back from Miskatonic with. Agent Johnson, the retired pastor, and some other guy who I don't think ever got a lot of detail. He's just very pliant. But Bruno with a retired pastor, an Agent Johnson, and an Agent Smith stand before a door. This building that this door is in is in a well-to-do neighborhood of Boston. A place normally known for not exactly the money to lead, but definitely the well-to-do. The door itself is solid oak. It has a finely polished brass doorknob. And in lieu of any placards or anything, there is simply a number on a brass plaque on the door. And it says five. Below it is a small porthole with which somebody can look through to see who is knocking. What do you do? Given a quick look around the area to see if there's any sign of Philip on the streets, which, unless he was randomly walking down the street at this time, he wouldn't be here. I also look around and fail to see the missing vehicle that the three of them had, so probably not here. Pick up the corner of the welcome mat looking for a key. Roll luck. There is absolutely nothing underneath the doormat, in fact. As you pull it back, it is clear that somebody has lifted up and dusted underneath this doormat. Somebody is being very fastidious about their cleaning. And in such the strangest places. Turn back to Mike Page like, yeah, he's, uh, point to my head and give it a little finger wiggle. Alright, gonna do this the, uh, the old fashioned way, I guess. I'll reach into his coat pocket and pull out a black leather envelope flick it open and take out some tools and kneel down in front of the lock. Stops himself, tries the door handle real quick, just to make sure. Mm, Not with that luck roll. That door is locked. In fact, it feels like the door lock has recently been serviced. It is unusually oiled, even for a well-to-do area. Somebody's taking their security very seriously. Got a little click out of one. I'll click out of two. And just that easy. Just that easy. With practiced hands, Bruno pops the lock to the apartment and the door swings open on oiled hinges. It makes nary a sound. Inside, everything is dark, but from the light that is spilling in from the hallway, you can tell that the entry room is furnished, clean, and it seems kind of averagely homely. Fortunately, this area is well wired for electricity, so it is really no problem to turn the lights on. He thinks about it for a moment and decides against it, and then pulls out a flashlight and starts looking around with that instead. Checking by the door for a place to place your keys, maybe your letters from the day, or just come in, step, drop off the heavy things, maybe a coat closet. This apartment does not have a coat closet, so to speak, but it does have a coat rack that is right next to the door, and there is a small hanger there for keys, which currently is empty. The mail slot is on the back of the door, and it looks like there might have been something there. 
Roll me a spot hidden, please. As Bruno steps inside this apartment, he does happen to look down as a criminal knows that you want to look up and look down. And he sees that there is additional pieces of mail on the floor. It looks like they were slid in underneath the doorway, which is unusually odd given that places such as these have their own personal postal boxes in the foyer of the building. I step to the side and allow the other agents to step inside. And I take the letters and I hold them. Are they all letter sized or are they small package sized? They are all letter sized. I would say that one or two feel almost like thick postal size, but some of them are only as small as, say, like a greeting card or a brief one to two page letter. All of them are addressed to Mr. or Dr. Philip Wiesel, depending on the letter. And the return addresses are from places such as Cairo. There are some that are other museums along the eastern seaboard. There is one from a university in Georgia. He'll stick his little flashlight down, pull out a pocket knife, flick it open, and start opening this mail. Does it look as though it was delivered? Like, it's not big stamp return to send or undeliverable or anything along those lines? That is correct. In fact, as you are looking at these letters, you'll also notice there is no postage. It looks like these have been hand-delivered by a courier. Even more curious. Bruno, as you're searching, you'll hear Agent Johnson quietly talk to Agent Smith. And Agent Smith goes out the door and looks like he's probably going to do like a keep watch, see if Philip does come. Give some kind of warning. You'll also see that the retired priest starts looking at the knickknacks in Philip's living room area, whatever those may be. Oh, goodness, yes. The retired priest is going to have an interesting array of knickknackery from the darkest parts of Africa as well as the much maligned, perhaps, areas of Marrakesh, Casablanca, other areas in Morocco and the Middle East. Some of it is small cuneiform tablets. There is a white alabaster jar that might be Greek in origin, although Bruno wouldn't know that. Most of it looks like it would be items of minor interest that they seem kind of old, but at the same time, they seem kind of cheap. Are there any items? That depict deities. Yes. Bruno, you'll see that agent starts to gather those items. Sure. As I flick open my knife and cut into this first envelope, I start perusing the letters. Anything interesting that I find? Of the letters, the greetings are all varied. Some are Dear Mr. Wiesel, Dr. Wiesel. One says Philip. The letters themselves all seem fairly uniform. They all talk of some sort of weird Egyptian group. You're not sure what it is. Something about a black sphinx or something. From what you can tell from the letters, it looks like he was penning some compatriots in universities all over in order to find some information about this group of the black sphinx. Some of those also say, Again, so sorry to hear about what had happened to Bertram. 
And it makes very little mention of Bertram after that. I just spent a couple of minutes reading through these to see if there's anything of relevance to them before putting them all back in their appropriate envelopes and making a small pile of them by the door that is not on the floor. The thing that you will note the most is that they are all talking about the Brotherhood of the Black Sphinx. All of them have rumors that they may have moved to the Americas within the past 20 years. And for being a known group, and all of those are in either italics or in heavy quotes, they are unusually quiet, which suggests that they have a little bit of pull in the normal world. Does the name of that organization mean anything to me? You want to roll a cult? No. But when you get done reading, Agent Johnson will ask anything interesting. Uh, if he's standing there, I will hand them to him and says, like, yeah, something about the, an order of the Black Sphinx or whatever. At that, the ex-priest looks over and give me that, and he'll extend his hand out to uh, take that letter and start reading it. I give him a little bit of a stank eye as he's like, give it to me rather than, like, can I see it? But I don't say anything because I've already done enough to offend this guy, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. As he reads it, his uh, brow furrows. He's Looks really concerned. Picking up on his concern, I will unsnap the snap on my revolver so that it is free and clear in the holster. I'm not going to take it out because we've been in this. We've been stomping around. Nobody's home. If he is, he's sleeping like the dead, which that's a completely different set of situations. And I will move to the next room that doesn't have anybody in it. So whatever room that the father is in, I will go to something else. The father's like in the living room. I assume it's not a very palatial apartment. It seems larger than one would expect, but then again, this is Philip we're talking about. So it is a large living room with a kitchen hanging off of it. Of course, the kitchen is fairly open to the air. If you're standing at the doorway, there is a small hallway to the right, and there is window across from the front door, there is a second window to the left that is near the kitchen area. And there is a small table that you would see that is in the corner, which suggests that would be the dining table, but it's a dining table for one. Start going through the kitchen, opening cabinets, opening drawers, just rooting. So the first thing that you will find that in the majority of the cabinets, there is absolutely nothing there. They are bare. There is no sundries. There is no food. There are almost no dishes. What dishes that you find would be more expensive than average porcelain, but there is only service for one. So the majority of these cabinets, the majority of the drawers are all empty. Turn to whoever's standing there, probably Johnson, if the father is like, this is uh, is a little sad, actually. No worse than some of the other agents I've seen. Yeah, he doesn't even have, like, a a second plate. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, all right. It's sad, and he's lonely, and I don't know. Maybe it's the, the, the mind of a genius. It's efficiency. Why have more than you need? I don't know. But we, you know, need to find him or at least see what's going on. And if there's anything strange in here, which he'll point to the other agent, it looks like there's something. 
So let's just finish searching and then report back to Patterson. And you'll see him turn and he'll go down a hallway. Whatever first door he comes to, he'll open. So down the hallway, there are three doors. There's two doors on the right, one door on the left. The first door on the right will be the first one that he reaches. Inside, he will find a bathroom. It's very sparse, very clean, very proper. There are two towels that are folded on the towel rack. There is a hand towel that is perfectly laid out on the sink. There is a small crystal or glass cup that has a razor set in it. There is no toothbrush that you can see. There is no hair care products that you can see. As I walk past this room and I see the two towels, I stop and I point to them and go, you got uh, one plate but two towels. Efficiency. And then I go to the next door on the same side. That door is to the bedroom. And the bedroom itself is better furnished than the living room and certainly better furnished than the kitchen. There are two comfortable chairs in there. There's a fireplace in this room. It is rather large. Like I said, well-appointed. It would be about as large as the living room is. Clearly, this is where the magic happens. The bed is rather large. You would say that it is probably about a king size. It is a four-poster bed. It does not have a canopy. Next to it is a, looks like, almost like an antique, perhaps, Central European, so potentially Belgian or German-made side table. On it is a small pad of paper with a pen. Looks like it was a journal, maybe left open, but it's dark, so you're not quite sure yet. There is a lamp on that table as well. There is a standing wardrobe that is in the corner. It is actually faced out from the corner there. And it looks large enough to hold the myriad of fine suits that he carries. There's also a flat dresser against one of the walls. On top of that is some fine linen handkerchiefs that are folded out neatly in squares. And then there is also like a black velvet pad. It does have a small collection of pocket watches on it of varying degrees of value. Just look at those for a second and think, no, I can't do anything with those right now. Roll a spot hidden for me. So in the darkness, as you're looking at the watches and you look away, your flashlight will happen to flash against a low wooden box that is against the wall almost beneath the I wouldn't call them curtains because it doesn't look like there's actually windows in this room. It looks like it's almost windowless or perhaps boarded up. You're not sure. But beneath the drapery, there is a, a low wooden box of a expensive, dark-looking wood. I imagine that it doesn't match with the rest of the furniture. It does not. That's curious. So I'll go over to that and pull it up from where it's sitting a little bit, a little bit more into the central open area. And try to open it. So as you open this dark chest, it comes open easily, although the top is rather heavy. And inside is just a swath of soft-looking darkness. Point my flashlight in there and start rooting around. So as your hand hits it, you can tell that it is a very soft, very expensive-feeling cloth. It looks like it's just this giant robe or something. As your ham-like hands 
press further down into the box, you can definitely feel that there's at least one other thing. It might be like a an oddly shaped box or other piece of knickknackery. Put that aside for a moment and stand up holding the big piece of black cloth in my hands. Two more beams of light shine onto you, Bruno, from the hall. The other two agents are looking. They heard you move the box. The two flashlights illuminate Bruno as he holds what looks to be a hooded cloak. It would cover a six-foot-tall man or perhaps a really fat man that was shorter than six feet. The cloth is dark. It's like a black velvet. I look to these guys, and I hold it up, give the box a little kick. This uh, this don't look good, does it? The ex-priest will lean into Agent Johnson and whisper something, and Johnson will look at him and go, let's, you know, benefit of the doubt. He's one of our own. But you can tell Bruno, when he looks back to you, he is deeply concerned. Anything else in that box? Oh, yes. Almost as if. He wants Bruno to say, nope, nothing else. You could see he does not want you to find anything else. Was I able to hear what the priest said with a just a regular success? With a regular success? You'll catch just a little bit of it, but you'll hear the one word plainly, cultist, because he kind of hisses it. Yeah, that's that's fair. That, that's exactly what this looks like. It is a cultist murder robe. I'll just... Fold it over and give it a little toss onto the bed. He'll turn around and stoop back down and start going through the rest of the box. You shine your flashlight in that box? Yep. The second you do, it's going to catch something that glitters. Glitters like jewels. I will reach for that very carefully. As you pull it out, you can see immediately that this is almost like a mask that you would wear to a masquerade ball. It is like a half mask that would cover the forehead and the eyes to the nose. It looks like it may be made of silver, or at least coated with silver, and it is encrusted with gems. The design of the mask seems Egyptian, and I am certain that a fellow agent, perhaps a retired priest, may know the look of this mask as it is shown in the flashlight. Almost in unison, both of the agents at the door, just son of a bitch. Yeah, I don't know exactly what this is, but I know it ain't good. And I'll carefully place that on the floor next to me. You'll see the ex-priest. You know how you just undid your holster so you could get to your gun quickly? Mm -hmm. He is now doing the same. Hey, we have a bonding moment. But his eyes are on you. Yeah, fuck that guy. That's right. My hand returns back to the box looking around. I don't believe there's anything else in there. Although, at this point, because it is Philip, you will feel what seems to be a leather-bound thin journal inside. Readjust my position, so I'm just kind of like sat half-leaning against the box, pull out the journal open it and shine the flashlight on it to be able to give it at least a little bit of a glance. I'm not trying to like straight on look at it because it's fucking some weird shit and who knows what I'm going to see. It's in the dark and just kind of like slowly ease the flashlight onto it to 
hopefully be able to turn away if I find something distressing. One of the only things that you would find when you open the first page you find that has writing on it is it has a date of some weeks before, and it is in Philip's precise handwriting, crowing about a steal that he made at an estate sale where he found this trunk full of cultist regalia for but $20, and he overpaid for it. He did find a, a book and a dagger that are conspicuously absent from this chest in a false bottom. And it ends with him saying that he will have to do further research at the library. There is more writing. If you go through it, you will notice snippets here of Brotherhood of the Black Sphinx, rituals, there's something about the dagger, and then as you go through, the writing gets progressively less neat, and it starts talking more about a gateway, a gate, a bargain, and Thoth, the Egyptian god of knowledge. I just hold that up towards the priest. He looks to uh, Johnson Steps into the room and, and grabs the journal from you. His flashlight shines on it. Yeah, that ain't looking good. But it did mention a false bottom, so I'm going to try and find that false bottom. Now that you know it's there, it's very easy to find. And the false bottom is large enough to perhaps hold a book and or some kind of knife or something. It is very small, but unfortunately there is nothing there. I pick up the mask, and I reach up onto the bed and pull the murder cloak down and wrap it around it so that it is covered and hopefully protected before looking up at Johnson and the priest as I rise to my full height. Johnson will say, let's just bring it all. Patterson's going to want to see it all. We'll have to go through it. But the priest will kind of look back to Johnson and say, well, I don't know. He may have just been researching, but it says here he bought the stuff. So I don't know. We'll let Patterson figure it out. Was the address in there for the estate sale? The name of the estate would have been there. Should send somebody to that estate and somebody to the library that he would usually use. Maybe we can find out what he was looking at. Maybe the librarian remembers him because he's, uh, let's say, recognizable to an extent. Johnson will walk out. He'll go to the next door and he'll open it, shine the light in. So as the light hits this room, it seems kind of strange because it seems like it's blocked by floating pieces of paper. Yeah, this ain't great. It's at this, the pistol comes out. Yeah, why don't you go on in first? Is that the priest or is that the Johnson? It's Johnson. The priest is kind of behind you. He is still reading the little journal. He's looking at things. It's like you, uh, I'd say to cover me, but, and I'll just start using the barrel of the gun to move things aside as I step inside. All right, so you're keeping the light off. I just want to make sure. I'm not turning on the light to the room, relying on the flashlight for now, at least until I get an idea of what's in here. So as you step in and you're using the barrel of the gun to move these pieces of paper aside, it becomes very clear very quickly that these are pieces of paper that are suspended from the ceiling by string. And 
as you continue to sweep the room slowly, other bedroom or the living room, this seems like more of a study. Your light does shine on a well-appointed desk. This one is actually of English make. There is a old as an antique office chair that is right behind it. It looks like it is a writing desk. And the hutch on the writing desk is open, showing the flat of the desk. And there are several more leather-bound notebooks stacked aside it. Take a moment, check behind the door, put the gun away. Looks uh, looks clear. When I hit the light over there, there's a bunch of books. He'll flick the light on, and you'll see his face just in kind of shock at the pages hanging from string that are all over the room. Not only that, but the walls are covered in papers. There are big red lines made with either lipstick or marker or something that lead from one paper to another. One is circled. There's writing on the wall that says Brotherhood of the Black Sphinx. There's a line that goes to another paper. On the wall next to it in black is Animom Scriptor, question mark, question mark, question mark. The pieces of paper hanging, if you move back enough, the letters on the pages seem to spell gate. And then on the desk is a collection of leather-bound journals that Philip uses almost exclusively. Bruno, this guy's been on your team for a, a while now. Yeah. And uh, no secret around the department that he's been uh, ordered to see the, uh, you know. Yeah, the, the shrink. What is this? What Do you know what's going on here? Uh, I'm going to imagine it's not therapy. He's going to step into the room. He'll look out over his shoulder at the uh, ex-priest. and He's going to step in and shut the door a little bit. And he's in a hushed tone. He's going to say, Bernal, this doesn't look good. I mean. Yeah, no, this is this is not great unless he's on some kind of special project that uh, we ain't aware of. They can't. I mean, he's taking a big interest in a in known cultist faction. I mean, yeah, everybody knows them. He's got paraphernalia. I mean, Bruno, are you sure your guy isn't isn't one of them? What do you count as sure? Is it like a, like a fitty fitty or is it like? Not gonna stake, stake the agency's reputation on 50 50, Bruno. Are you 100% sure or not that one of your team members isn't a cultist? I am not 100% sure that one of my team members is not a cultist. I, uh, I don't know if this is bad, but. This, this is bad. Yeah, the, the, you know, not good. There are no more doors in the hall? No. Anything else of interest would be in this room or the living room. All right. Let's let this. Bruno, it doesn't look like he's here. Let's do one more pass through. Make sure we didn't miss anything. Anything that seems out of sorts, kind of looking at the pages. Let's take what we can. We'll have Smith stay here, secure the premises, keep an eye out in case Agent Wiesel shows up. Yeah, just just one second. And I grab the topmost journal and flick that open. You know, if it's the the top or most prominent one, it's probably the one he wrote in last. I clearly don't have time to go through all of these books, but maybe this one might have something in it. 
as I flip through it more towards the end. So as you flip towards it through the end, you will note a copy of a correspondence from uh, Philip to Agent Patterson. In it, it outlines the history of a spell called Victor's Sadism and its origin within a book known as the Animam Scriptor. The legend goes that this was used by a prominent doctor in and around Ingolstadt, Germany. And when villagers stormed his villa one night after some terrible experiments came to light, he killed several of them with what seemed to be an invisible knife. The villa was later burned to the ground, but the Animam Scriptor was recovered and held in Ingolstadt until it disappeared around the time of the Great War. Is it in his good handwriting? It is. And can I tell when this was written? This was written just prior to you leaving for Arkham. Yeah, the second time? Yes, the second time. Is there enough description of Victor's sadism that Bruno might think it sounds familiar? Yes, it is described in great detail, which is kind of interesting because it is a spell that casts an invisible knife. Flip back a couple more pages to see if there's anything else interesting, and then walk over to Johnson as we get ready to leave to show that to him. Two things do strike you. Before you turn the page, in the letter, you are named as somebody who has potentially had experience with Invisible Knife, as well as Philip. As you flip away, a few entries before, this was right after the Dunwich debriefing, is a note in a diary, essentially, because that's what this is remarking about a fortuitous visit to the library in Boston that is not too far from the office, where he met a friend, and he gives that name and says that he asked to call him Lucky, and how they went to the fanciest tea room in Boston, and then was shown a most interesting example of a work of Acadian literature that this lawyer, Lucky, recently came into contact with. The words potentially occult are underlined. This uh this continues to not look good. But uh I don't know, I guess it pushes it more towards like a seventy thirty. And I'll just give the book to Johnson's like uh we uh should get some regular uniforms to watch the place and uh I guess go back. He's gonna Read it, and he'll also see that passage that's, that that names you, and he'll start eyeing you. I'm just rubbing at my arm where I got cut. He'll walk out. He'll call out to uh, the other agent. Did you find anything else? That agent is back in the living room. He's also turned the lights on since you guys have turned on lights, so. There's now light in the living room if that illuminates anything further. It does illuminate the bookcases. The bookcases themselves have a wide variety of texts, some in Sumerian, some in Akkadian, some in what looks to be a version of Greek that is not normally seen. Anyone with experience with ancient history would know that it's 
not really something that one picks up offhand. Well, that's where the priest was. So if uh, anything important was was there, it's not Bruno's fault that it didn't get missed. It's the, it's the priest's fault. I will say there is one interesting thing that is absent, and that is any artwork or even in a frame whatsoever. For somebody who talks about Bertram all the time, there is absolutely no image nor icon of him anywhere in this home. That doesn't surprise Bruno because Philip has never been a fan of paintings and art and those things. So to have his entire apartment be void of that kind of thing is expected for him. As the lights come on, it is very easy to see. Near the dining room, it looks like the dining room table has been moved slightly out of place. And there's a scuff mark on one of the wood boards there, like this table has been moved off and on and on at this point. This is something easily seen? Not so easily seen, but because there's four agents here and they're already at a heightened state of alertness and looking for things like this, I figure I can do without the roll. I will go over and help somebody move the table and then take a look at what is clearly a loose floorboard used to hide things. There is one more leather-bound journal under the floorboard. I I don't know if I really want to read this one, but here goes. The writing is not prim and precise. It is crazed. It is loose. It is... Recent, it is the night before everybody leaves for Arkham for the second time. And the gist of it is, I found the gate. I know how it opens. I just have to make sure I have everything correct. If I have enough items to make the trade, I can bring him back. I've taken the knife and the book with me. The book describes the ritual. I will have time while we are at this gala, to finish my translations. Yep, that's bad. Got a little click out of one, a click out of two, and just that easy. Just that easy. So for purposes of the raw folks, he needed an 11 to roll locksmith, to, to succeed a locksmithing. He rolled a one, which is critical, of course, which means that he'd better check that fucking box. <laughs> He's okay. gonna get it. It's checked. Roll me a spot hidden, please. Yo, these dice just betray the shit out of you today. Uh, yeah, everything is going to betray the shit out of Philip today. So with that spot hidden roll, an extreme, by the way, raw listeners, like I said, well-appointed, it would be about as large as the living room is. Clearly, this is where the magic happens. The bed is... Go ahead. He's already admitted he can't cast any spells, so probably not. Correct. I will have time while we are at this gala to finish my translations. Yep, that's bad. They're going to collect everything and and go. So we can uh, wrap this and then bring the others in. And you guys can discuss how we're going to move forward. 
Oh boy, oh boy. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Nicely done, guys. Thank you. Oz here, just chiming in at the end to say thanks for continuing to support us with your ears, bumping us by word of mouth, and even with Patreon donations, which is pretty awesome. If you aren't on our Discord, feel free to come on by and get it without a net welcome. If you are, you know how we do. We couldn't continue to do this without your support and feedback, so if you do have feedback, this is me personally begging you to let us know. We know we can always do better, and we love to know when we're doing well. Anyway, a couple of disclaimers. The music you heard in the intro and the outro is from the Great Old Ones and Other Beings album by Graham Plowman. You can find that on YouTube. It is some excellent Call of Cthulhu music. Call of Cthulhu 7th edition is produced by Chaosium Inc. Without a net podcast has no affiliation with Chaosium Inc. We just think 7th edition is pretty bomb and we're going to go ahead and try it out. We get no kickbacks from Chaosium, nor do we expect any, although that may change in the future, but probably not. I hope you all had a wonderful time listening to this, and we will see you next week.